personal testimonies in here of people from Guyana. And then um, also it's got four chapters of evangelism follow-up materials. So the book that you saw on the screen is also a book that we used um, in Guyana. And God willing, we'll be in Belize as well this year. Right now as we speak, uh, Hanu Hauka, the founder of our ministry with with Hani Hanin, who is our Egyptian, uh, the, the head of our uh, Arabic division of our ministry in Finland, they are both right now in Erbil, Iraq, today, uh, beginning the process. We hope to do a media evangelism campaign in Kurdistan, up in the northern part of Iraq, in just a few months from now. So uh, please pray for him today for protection. There's a lot of stuff happening in, in Kurdistan right now. So... Uh, take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 4. Uh, the text is actually Exodus 20, 13. Uh, we don't need to turn there. You all know it. You shall not murder. I told Pastor Jim, wonderful. Thank you for such an easy assignment for this morning. <laughs> I, like, I like the message's translation on on the Exodus text that says, no murder, <laughs> no murder. So that's the message. I'm done. <laughs> we always need to ask, what does it mean and what does it mean to us? There's, there's the two sides. What, what does the text mean, but also what does it mean to us? How, how, how can this, in a practical way, relate to our lives? And Frankly, there, there, I mean, this, this is very broad, this whole subject, and, and we could do a whole series of messages on this subject. We could deal with things like war and abortion and suicide and capital punishment and what happens when somebody dies. And I, I mean, there, there's just a lot that could be dealt with it, and we're going we're gonna to do all of that this morning. No, we're not. Um, but we are going to deal with, with, with what I believe is really the root issue that probably relates to all of our lives this morning. Um, how many have ever murdered somebody? <laughs> we all need to pray for Jean. She raised her hand. <laughs> Most of us probably haven't murdered somebody here this morning. But, but the reality is, is, that, is that the root of murder is something that probably is it dwells in all of our hearts, and we just need to be aware of that. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning as we take a couple minutes in your word today, I pray that, Lord, you will um, cause this to be a word of the Lord to my heart, to all of our hearts today, Lord. I pray that, Lord, we wouldn't let it go over our heads and say that's good for somebody else, but, God, may I take it for myself. May each of us take it for ourselves. May you transform us by your word this morning. May you break the authority of anger in our hearts today. Lord, work something new in all of us by the work of your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore 
his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain a worker of the ground. In a course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the, first, of, of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? All right. Very familiar portion of Scripture. And, of course, this is the, the documentation of the very first murder that we see in, um, recorded in Scripture. And, and, and we see the root here that, that just springs up at us very clearly here. This wasn't very hard for me to discover what the root of murder is because we see it right in this first text, is, is, is we see the question that God asks Cain, why are you angry? Will you, will you turn to somebody this morning and look at them and say that? Why are you angry? Come on, come on. Why are you angry? That is really a good question, isn't it? Why? That's right. Why are you angry? I mean, I, then, then, then God continues to speak about this, and he says something about this whole issue of anger, that sin is crouching at the door. What, what a descriptive phrase. Its desire is for you. You must rule over it. New Living Translation says, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And then we see the result of this, of course, is that, is that Cain resists the warning of the Lord and he rises up and he kills Abel. Murder is obviously the most extreme example of what anger can do. Um, and, and, and with this text, we have to ask a question. Because the, the scripture gives us another side of this whole issue of anger. We see it in Ephesians chapter 4, where, 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 where he says, be angry. Now, now turn to somebody and say, be angry. <laughs> be, <laughs> first, why are you angry? And now, be angry. <laughs> be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no place to the devil. Um, the ethics that forbid all anger is not Christianity. <laughs> it's, sto it's Stoicism, which goes back to 300 BC. And, and, and so the, the, the teaching that you should never be angry about anything is not biblical. How, how many know that God gets angry? That's right. Jesus gets angry. We'll, we'll, we'll look at that briefly. But um, 
But the scripture is very clear. Uh, Mark, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. One, one example of Jesus here. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to, or, or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Or, or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. John chapter 2, John chapter 2, we, we, we have the example here of Jesus, and I'm not going to read it, but, 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 but uh, Jesus cleansing the temple, and, 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 and verse 17 says, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So, so we, we see these biblical examples of anger. Anger. Jesus was angry, and at the same time, how, how does that, how is that compatible with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21, where he says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Okay, so uh, how, do we, how do we bring those two things to, together? Where, where at one point, God speaks to Cain and says, Why are you angry? Paul says in Ephesians 4, Be angry, do, don't sin. We have examples of anger in the life of Jesus. And at the same time, Jesus said, If you're angry with, brother, with, with, with your brother, you're, you're subject to judgment. Okay, so we have these Two sides of anger. And, 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 and what the scripture is clear on is this. There, there is a place for godly anger. There is a place for godly anger. Directed towards evil. When hypocrites come with masks of holiness. When, when injustice parades us as something that is right. When, when tyrants trample over helpless victims. There is a place for Christians to become angry at this kind of stuff. Isn't that right? And I think, I think sometimes we, we have become apathetic. We've become too tolerant where, where we don't even get angry about anything anymore. But there is a place. There is a place for anger. John R.W. Stott said this. True peace is not identical with appeasement. True peace is not Identical with appeasement. And there is a place where you have a right to get red hot angry about, about what happens in the world and what happens to, to innocent victims and to innocent people. And, and we just heard about, Dave, Dave shared about Somalia this morning. We should get angry at some of this stuff. We shouldn't simply sit by and read the paper and, and then turn from that page to the funnies and say, you know, no big deal. You know, there, there should be something in us that get angry at the reality that evil is happening in the world, and it is not right. God gets angry. 
Psalm 119, verse 53, we hear David saying, Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives a long list of, of, of different evil issues. And then he says, the wrath of God comes upon all of this. The wrath, God gets angry. You should get angry. Be angry. But don't sin. And in that context of Ephesians 4, he, he talks about us, even in relationship to our anger towards, towards injustice in our world, he says, don't embrace even righteous anger too long. He says, literally, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Now, now, now if you live in Greenland and different parts of the world, you know, or, or, or even Finland. I've been in Finland in the middle of winter, you know, where it's light all the time. I mean, you could be angry for months if you took that literally. <laughs> you know, so, so the fact is, the fact is, what, what is Paul talking about here? He's not talking about literally sun up, sun down. But, but, but yes, he is talking about don't allow your anger to remain for long periods of time. It's not healthy for it. And then he even goes beyond that. And he says, don't give room. Don't, don't even open the door halfway to the devil. I read this as I was preparing for this message. Satan lurks where anger thrives. I like that. Satan lurks where anger thrives. He's, he's looking for people who are angry because they are open prey for him. There's, there, there's a sense where, where, where long-term anger in us opens doors to the wrong kind of stuff. How many have ever experienced that, huh? Probably all of us have experienced that. And, and, and how fine is the line between righteous and unrighteous anger? Huh? The, the line is so fine between those, we have to be careful. Okay, I, I know where my problem is, so I'm not going to talk about you. I'll just talk about Ogren, because I know myself. My, my problem is not righteous indignation. <laughs> That's not my problem. My problem is unrighteous indignation. My problem is unjust anger, is selfish anger, is ungodly anger. How many would agree with that? Okay, you just agreed that that's my problem. All right. So, so you know, all right. So th that's, that's true, though. It, you know, so, so I want to personalize this because I'm not just, you know, I'm, I'm not just preaching this message because it's a, I'm preaching it because I was forced to preach it, frankly. But, but, but I'm, also, I'm also preaching this message this morning because it is good for me to hear this, and hopefully it's good to, for you to hear this, and hopefully God will change all of our hearts this morning. All right? There is an anger that is common to all of us that boils out of us. And when it boils out of you, what happens? It scalds people. It scalds people. And oftentimes, it's the people we love the most. Isn't that? You know, we burn people who are the closest to us more than we do anybody else. We allow, you know, you can go into the workplace and, 
and control yourself and go home and lose it. Right? Why is that? Because you choose to do that. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? You choose to. We make choices. You can go out into the workplace. You can go out into the business uh, uh, environment and control yourself. And you go home and whoosh, you scald people around you. Because we choose. We choose to do that. Words that are spoken, attitudes that are expressed, actions that are taken that hurt and wound and scald and kill out of selfish fallenness. And in that process, Ephesians chapter 4 says that this whole issue of anger grieves the Holy Spirit. Brings great pain to the Holy Spirit when he sees and observes me, you, respond in anger. Let me say to you today, there is no excuse. You hear that? There is no excuse for unjust, selfish, ungodly anger. There is no justification. Nobody makes you get angry like that. Nobody forces you into anger. There is no room for this in my life and in your life. No room. Make no room for it. Ephesians chapter 4. Listen. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29. Let no corrupt talking come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Why does why does God use why does Paul use all of these phrases that all surround the whole issue of anger? Because it is so common to us. It is as natural as breathing in all of our lives. Colossians chapter three, verse five. Put to death. Some translations say, mortify. It's a good word. Mortif put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put it to death. Don't make room for it. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Isn't it interesting that the scripture says the wrath of God just anger comes against our anger. <laughs> Put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And so the scripture makes clear that anger is a part of the old self. 
It's a part of your sinful nature. It is a part of your sinful nature. And, and we, we must understand that. We must face that clearly with our own eyes. We have no right to keep anger hot on our stove. We have no right to put anger into fertile ground so that it can grow. We have no right to feed anger until it becomes all-consuming. Remember again Jesus' words in Matthew 5. Everyone who is angry is liable to judgment. <laughs> A couple more. Isn't this just so encouraging this morning? James chapter 1, verse 19. N know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the, for, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then it puts it in this context. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. You know, God puts anger in the context of filthiness and rampant wickedness. The wrath or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Would you say that for yourself this morning? The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That is the word of the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 12, another beautiful portion, too long for me to read this morning, but deals with this whole issue similarly to that, verses 9, 9 through 21. Okay, what to do? And I'm, I'm almost done. And, amen? All right, okay, all right. What to do with the reality of anger? All right, I want to make this practical. Thomas Jefferson um, said when he got angry, he counted to 10. When he got really angry, he counted to 100. Um, Ron Mel, who wrote the book that this series is based on, The Tender Commandments, um, I, I really liked his transparency because he says, he said, I count and count until I run out of numbers because I know if I stopped, I would end up being very sorry. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to keep counting if we're still angry. <laughs> Because the reality is, is that once we speak out of our anger, how many have ever been sorry for what you said? Oh, Lord. Yes. Me. Too many times to count. Okay. So, so number one, I want, I want you to remember this. Think ahead. How many are angry right now? Okay. Mo most of you are not. All right. So that's, that's good. Okay. Think ahead. This is a good time right now. Think ahead. Proverbs chapter 13 says, in everything, the prudent acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. So, so think ahead. Plan today. I will not make room for anger today. You will be tempted, and so will I. I will not make room for anger today. I will not allow the heat to take over me. Proverbs 30, verse 33. I love this. This is so descriptive. Pressing milk produces curds. Pressing the nose produces blood. <laughs> Pressing anger produces strife. Okay? All right. So, so how many like strife? 
How many like tension in your home? You like that? It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? Tension, strife. How many feel just absolutely wonderful when you're angry? No! Why? It's, it, it is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us. It produces no good, no righteousness is produced by your unjust anger. Nothing. Nothing good comes of it. And you don't feel good. Some of you have gone to bed angry. You couldn't even sleep because you were so angry. You know? Anger is a horrible thing. Anger, anger is a destructive thing. And, and angry words are poisonous words. I read this. Nothing short of a physical blow can kill a relationship faster than a poisonous word. Sometimes faster. Sometimes faster. Okay, number one, think ahead. Number two, take your concerns and your hurts and your frustrations directly to the Lord. I think we just need to be honest with God. Sometimes you need to go for a long walk when you're angry and just pour it out to God. Don't just stir it. Express how justified you are for being angry. Acknowledge your anger. Ask for help. Pour it out to the Lord. Ask the Lord to walk with you and to sort this thing out. And you know he will. <laughs> he will. There have been times, many times, where I have been angry. And I've gone for a walk. And I've started praying about it. And you know what? Every time. I can say every time God has spoken to me. Not what I wanted to hear always. Many times what I didn't want to hear. Because what I heard is humble yourself. Take responsibility. <laughs> Deal with this thing in a godly manner. You know. Do your part. Don't worry about the other person. Do what you're supposed to do. Huh? You know. Those are the things that I've heard over and over again. But God does speak to us. Psalm 73 says, For me, it is good to be near God. <laughs> Gives perspective. It causes us to see things differently. It causes us to respond differently. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In the midst of, 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 of being people that are susceptible to anger, we need to draw near to God. Think ahead, draw near to God, and be quick to humble yourself and acknowledge wrong. You know, I, 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 I've taught here on the issue of forgiveness. You probably all remember I was wrong. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Three most important phrases that, you, that we all need in our daily life because, you know, we're going to deal with this stuff until the Lord takes us home. That's, that's just the reality. Your, your flesh, you're going you're gonna to get angry. You're going to get angry in a wrong way. It's not a matter of do you, are you ever going to get angry again? Yes, you are going to get angry in a wrong way. But the question is, how are you going to deal with that? How am I going to deal with that? Am I going to scald people because I get angry? Am I going to give myself the right to respond in an ungodly manner because I just got angry? Or am I going to deal with it godly manner, in a godly manner, and allow God to help me? And so we need this whole issue of being quick, being quick to acknowledge our wrong. You know, the scripture over and over again deals with the issue of humility and pride. 
and, and pride causes us to draw away and say, I'm not going to acknowledge wrong. They've got to come first. They're, they've got to speak first. I'm not going to speak. You know? Uh, but the scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. The scripture says, he resists the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And so there's, there's that biblical admonition for all of us. Number four, make it your aim, and this is the last one, make it your aim and your goal and your focus and your business. Make it your aim. How, how many know we can get so caught up with the, with the sliver that in our, that's in our brother's eye? We, we, we just focus, focus, focus on that. Focus on your own beam. Make it your aim, your goal, your focus, your business to live by the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Write them down. Put them on your bathroom mirror. Put them on your refrigerator. List these things. Memorize them. Cause them to be the focus of your life. This is what God is calling me to be. He's calling me to be full of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and meekness, and self-control. That's to be my aim. I, I did a study. I was doing a, a marriage retreat not too long ago. I did a study on 1 Corinthians 13, a word study. Just kind of went through the whole thing. 1 Corinthians 13. I'd, I'd never really done a word study on the whole thing before. And, and I went through and I, I, I went through a study on all the words. And one of the things that just really, really um, spoke to me or stood out to me was this. Love is very simple. First um, Corinthians 13 says a lot of things about what love isn't. Okay, lots of stuff what love isn't. Love doesn't envy, boast, arrogant, rude, insist on its own ways, not irritable, resentful, rejoices not at what is wrong but, but the truth. But love is very Love is patient and love is kind. How many can remember that? Love is patient, and love is kind. Do you remember that? And that ever since I, I did this study, that God has brought that back to me over and over again. Dave, this is what I'm calling you. I'm calling you to be patient, and I'm calling you to be kind. And you know what? If we are patient and kind, it causes us to deal with this issue of anger. Okay? It causes us to push it down and say, I will not allow this to have authority in my life. You know, as I look back in my own life, I can point to a time where I literally opened the door to anger. <laughs> I had a church, and I opened the door. I can, I can, I can almost point to you the time where I opened the door to anger. And as I was 
as I was studying this, I was saying to the Lord, God, I just want to close that door. I want to close that door. I don't want to allow it to have any authority as evil goes on. I want to close the door. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace to us and your long-suffering and your tender kindness to us, Lord. We say to you this morning, Lord, please forgive us for justifying or allowing anger to build up and scald others. Lord, would you forgive us for unrighteous, unjust anger? We ask for your cleansing and we ask for your forgiveness this morning. We pray, O oh God, that, that the root of murder would have no root in us. And when we are tempted, when it comes, when we feel it, may we resist it by the power of your spirit. We know it is not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. We know we cannot do this by ourselves. We need your help. We need your grace in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, we're, the worship team is going to close us in song this morning. And I did ask the Lord, God, how do you want me to close this today? I, you know, all, all of us, there's probably not a person in here that hasn't been angry in a wrong way. So we can, we can all come forward this morning. But I believe that there are some here today, you are here today, and you know that, that anger has had a real root in your life. And you say, well, pff, I want to come forward. I'm asking you to come forward this morning. I'm asking you to acknowledge before the Lord, just come, kneel, stand, whatever. But just come and say, Lord, I am dealing, I am, I am not going to play games with this anymore. I am going to deal with the issue of anger in my life. It's nobody else's fault. I am responsible, and before the Lord, I am dealing with the issue of anger this morning. And so if, if that's you this morning, hey, you just come as an, as an acknowledgement before the Lord. And I believe that in the process of that simple act of coming, <laughs> by the power of the Lord, you can enter into a new realm of freedom from the power of anger in your life. God bless you.